going. Romans 13. We uh, got down through the first 10 verses, or the verse uh, 10 last time. Let's start in verse 11 and just kind of move on here, moving right along. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So we're moving right along. Next thing here, as we are looking at our reasonable service in relationship with society, we saw in, in verse, uh, by the way, verse 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And the thing is, is people read that and they go, oh, we have an abrupt change. And in really, we do not. It's a continuation of the thought. Paul is, by the way, look at verse 9. For this, verse 11, and that. We've all done that. This and that. So really, this is a continuation of the thought here. The continuation of here's the issues that are going to compel us to love, to serve society. Here is what it's going to be. For this, verse 9, and that, verse 11. This and that, they're connected. So we're not starting anything new. Rather, there's a continuing of thought here. We learned last time about that issue, verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For ye that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not. And then Paul, Paul looks at the issue of the law. Today we're compelled to reasonably serve society by love, not by the law. That, so Paul, when he says, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And Paul quotes Leviticus 19, verse 18, and he does that not to put the law in there as our standard to live by. We don't live off on the law. We, Romans 6.14, we're not un, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because we're not under the law. We don't operate and function under the law. The law isn't what is demanding of us. Actually, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, verse 10. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love actually achieves what the law is striving to achieve. So when we went back to Leviticus 18 and we saw, uh, I'm sorry, Leviticus 19, verse 18, and he's, he's in the law, legislates love. You are to love your neighbor, period, regardless. You, there's no wiggle. Well, we come along and we are to demonstrate love out of, from, from God's grace. We're not under the law, but we're under what? Grace. And what? And we don't need the law to, to love each other. We don't need, we don't need the law to, to perform and to do. 
Rather, what are we, what are we doing? We're just simply loving. When we love, we're, we're living out the life of Christ in us. And that's really what's happening here. So in verse 11, verse 9, for this, now we, so we've learned some things about love last time. Verse 11, and that. Now we're going to see an issue here of life. And really what's going to happen here is Paul is going to say, hey, we're to relate to society by understanding that, that we are to love one another, okay? And that that issue of, and by the way, the love there is that mental attitude, Philippians 1, the valuing and esteeming the way God values, esteems, thinks about things. So we're going to love in the proper manner. And now, verse 11, we're going to come in and we're going to understand that there's an urgency here that we need to have in our thinking about society about us. And that urgency, we're, we're to have a sense of urgency like a soldier does in a battle. And if you think about this as we move through here, he's going to talk about some, some soldierly terms, the language here. Um, if you look down there at verse 12, the end of that verse, and let us put on the armor of light. So we'll say some things about that. But think about that armor. Who wears armor? Well, a soldier does. It's only, you know, the, the soldier's wearing it. So in our relationship with society, we now, we need to possess a sense of urgency like a soldier would have. So when you think about time, it's high time, verse 11, I'm in 1311, it's high time. That's not a slow, easy, get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, sit out on the back deck, listen to the birds sing, the hummingbirds. That is not what he's talking about. When he talks about, hey, it's high time, knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of sleep. He's not talking about slowly weekend morning, you know, when the kids were young and they were at the house and the mornings were very hectic, you know, and when you have twins and then you have, then you have Emily. <laughs> then you have the third come along. You better have a routine and you better have a pattern. Why? Because things got to move. He's not, he's talking, he's not talking. The other day, Linda, we get up. And Linda's like, I just want to lay here for a little bit. Okay, go ahead. We ain't got nothing to do. You know, we got the morning off. So that, he's not talking about that. He's talking about, hey, we need to be ready. We are to recognize that there's a, a, an urgency here. Just as a soldier in combat, they have to sleep ready at the go. In, a, in battle, there's always a critical moment where you can gain the victory or you can be defeated. We're in that moment all the time. And, and that's why he starts verse 11, and that knowing the time. We know something about time here. We know something about there's an urgent issue before the world that's been the issue of God's wrath and so forth, that's been delayed now because of the dispensation of grace, but that could end when? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that imminent issue. 
So the idea here, the high t- it's high time, w- awake, out of sleep. We, we are to understand the times that we're in, and we're to understand that we're at w- really the most critical moment in human history is today. It has been this way for a little over 2,000 years since Calvary, especially since Acts 9 rode to Damascus in the interruption. Every moment is critical. It's a high time. So there's an urgency here, and we need to wake up. We need to, to not just leisurely get up, stretch, walk around, you know, with your cup, and you know, but let's be ready. Now, come over to Ephesians 6, because when you think about armor and soldiering, Paul's not really getting into this in Romans 13, but what Paul is doing in Romans 13 is laying in the thought process, the thinking. And when we begin to think about armor, Romans 6, or Ephesians 6 is what pops up, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now watch the language that Paul uses here. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the, the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So what are we going to do? We're going to put on the belt, we're going to put on the breastplate, and we're going to put our boots on, right? Verse 15. Verse 16. Above all, now what's that word? Taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You see how he moved from put all this on and to now take? See that? Because in the battle, the Roman soldier put all that garb on, put on the breastplate, put on the belt, put on the boots. Do you know how hard it is to lace up military combat boots? Hiking, okay, hiking boots, <laughs> get in there, okay. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? It, it, gets, it? it gets time consuming. But in the battle, you don't have time. Come back to Romans 13. You don't have time to, to put on your boots, to put on your belt, to put on. You're already ready and dressed. They sleep at the ready, don't they? We're, we always are to have on the belt of righteousness and truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet, the boots, we have all of that on. Then as the battle, as the cry goes out, what do we do? We pick up, we take. How quickly can you take the helmet and the shield and the sword? Pretty quickly. You can put all that on moving. And that's the picture here. So in back in Romans 13, verse 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. We're to have the same sense of urgency that that soldier does in the battle. We're in the battle. Paul, he uses that soldier thinking or terminology, 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this world, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We're an ambassador, we're a soldier. That thought process, that mentality. Why? Because what's our, our relationship, 
our reasonable service in society now. Yes, it's to love them. Yes, it's to value them and esteem them the way God does. Romans 5, 8, he died for them, he loves them. Yes, that way, but also, hey, it's high time. There's an urgent issue here that's coming. And we need to understand the urgency of the hour and the pressing need, back in Romans 13, the pressing need to not fall into spiritual sleep, if you will. Not to fall into a spiritual complacency and slumber and just, eh, they'll deal with it one day. No, there is no one day. He could come back now. That issue down, and when he says there, at the end there, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. A lot of folks say, well, that's the rapture. Yes, but it's also much more than that. We'll see as we get into there about that issue in, the ver in verse 12 about the day is at hand. There's something more there. And if we have time this morning, I'll touch on it. We'll get into it more next time. But, but yeah, he is, it is the rapture. That is what ends. That is the day of our salvation. But it's much more than that. There, there's a deeper component to it. In our relationship to, to society, time is short. And we're at that moment in the battle that could lead to victory or it could lead to defeat. And we need to be aware of that. And when it comes to society, we need to have that sense of urgency here of, yes, I love you. Yes, look at how Christ died for you. Yes, God loves you. Grace and peace. And hammer that out and then come over here and let's get on with it. Let's move with it. So what do we need to know then? Well, 13.11, and that knowing the time. So we need to know some things about time, don't we? We need to understand some uh, different issues that are here. Now, high time, specific here. We're not just dealing with, well, it's uh, 9.45. We're not talking about like that. He's talking about what's going on here. And again... Paul is, hey, guys, let's wake up. Pay attention here. Let's, let's understand what we're talking about when we're looking at the issue of time because there's an urgency here. Come over with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Just thinking about this issue about waking up, again, spiritually being slumber and asleep. And I'll be honest with you, most of Christianity is asleep at the wheel, if you will. <laughs> okay? Why? Because when you start talking to them about Bible study or looking at this or that, they go, whoa, whoa, easy, man. Just chill. No, it's, it's, you got to know this. You know, I, I honestly, I think people have this idea that when the rapture happens, that they're going to have a few minutes to read YouTube and catch up real quick. You don't have time for that. He's grabbing you. He's getting you. <laughs> You know, hey, hang on a minute, let me check that. No, you, you need to know this. You need to have it in your inner man now. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 14. Now, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus. Now, the church at Ephesus is a great, it, he spent the most time at any church he spent here. They're a big church as far as numerically, but also they struggle. They have problems just like, so they're not the perfect church. Uh, I think it was Spurgeon said, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. <laughs> so
So we're not talking about a perfect church. We're just talking about there's advanced doctrine here, maturity, moving. Verse 14, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now think about this. He's going to awake thou that what? Sleepest, and arise from the dead. Notice how sleep and dead, they're connected here. Now he's not talking about physical death. He's not talking about physical sleep. He's talking about spiritual death. That's why the issue of Christ shall give thee light. We're Romans 13, we're going to put on the armor of light. So what's Paul doing here? Hey, it's time to rise, guys. It's time to get up out of that spiritual slumber. Look back up at verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, for a sweet-smelling Savior. Who are, we're talking about our walk. How's our walk to be? It's to be one of awake. It's to be one of aware of what's going on here. Why? Because we are what? Christ is going to give us what? Light. Look down at verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Who are you? You're the children of the light. That's who you are. So what should we be doing? We should be walking. Now, the light there, you need to wake up. That's what he's getting at here. Those at Ephesus, the stuff in Romans 13, he's just laying the foundation in. Wake up. Who are you? We have to understand something here that we are the light. Now, when he says that we're the light, we were watching. You guys watch that show, Quantum Leap? back in the 80s when it came out the first time. Well, we watched, they, they just rehashed it. And in the rehash, they just jump right in, and they reference the old show. So we went back and watched the first old show. Oh, my goodness. Whoever thought the 1980-whatever was good TV, I have no idea. And, well, who, who thinks 2022 TV is any good either, really? But the thing is, is there's, there, there's this hologram guy, and they're light, you know, and all this stuff. But it's a manifestation issue. When we talk about light here, we're talking about manifesting his light, his life. When he says here in verse 14, arise from the dead, functionally, spiritually, what are what's happened here? They're dead. They've quit being, they've quit operating properly. What did they do? They stopped operating as who they are in Christ. They've turned out their light, if you will. You know, the Lord told the little flock, don't put your light under a bushel, you're a light to the world. Now, that's the little flock, and Paul's talking about us here. And what are we, what's happening here? There's some things that are going on here that they're not doing that they need to be doing. We're the same boat. Romans 13 builds it down there. He's like, look, guys, in your reasonable service to society, to the world about you, yes, you love them. That's how God, God loves them. But God committed his love toward them, and that while they were yet sinners, Christ died for them. Same attitude that we have. Even when they're your enemy, we've already seen that, Romans 12, okay? But that's not all. You need to have a sense of urgency about them. 
and in dealing with them. Because what's ha- there's a timing element. And when you go out there and you put on that armor of light, Romans 13, 15, when you put on that, or 13, uh, 12, when you put on that armor of light, who are you showing forth? You're showing forth him and his life. Okay? Now, in Ephesians 5, 14, Paul quotes Isaiah 60. Now, Paul quotes Isaiah, actually, he quotes the prophets in Ephesians quite a bit, Isaiah specifically, because there's a parallel situation back here in Israel, okay? And that parallel situation, we can look at it and learn from it. Next hour, when we st- we're going to start talking about Satan and his strategies. And there's stuff in the Old Testament that we sit here, we can look at how he did and we can learn from it. Come back with me to 1 Corinthians 10 on your way back to Isaiah 60. 1 Corinthians 10. Just You have to, the, the scripture is wonderful that way. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, if you look there at verse 11, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition. See that? Things in the Old Testament, they're written for what? Our admonition. Doesn't come back on over to Romans 15. It doesn't mean we're going to go live our life by them, but we can understand principles that Paul's raising by looking at Israel. That's why understanding Israel in your scripture is so important. Because Paul pulls and says, You see those guys? Those are examples and samples. Those things, they're there. They didn't just fill up. They're not, written, they're not written there to fill up the pages of the Word. They're written there to teach doctrine. Romans 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our, what? Learning. Not instruction. Not running, not ruling your life, but what? Learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So come back to Isaiah 60. By the way, next hour we're going to, I'll repeat a little bit of that with you as we look at the strategies. Look at Isaiah 60. So when Paul reaches back, and when Paul in Ephesians 5, Romans 13 says, hey guys, it's time to wake up. It's time to let his light shine out through you in your life. He quotes a passage in Isaiah where Israel is in a similar condition. And he says it's it's like that. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Now, this is Israel. This isn't the body of Christ. Paul quoting this in Ephesians 5 is not saying that this verse is being fulfilled today in the age of grace. He's talking about a parallel situation. Okay. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Now, this is Israel. They're under Leviticus 26, that fifth course of judgment. They're under the Gentile rule and reign. That's where they are historically. This is where we're looking at. 
prophetically, verse 3, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to thy brightness of thy rising. That is a reference to the millennial kingdom and what's happening there. But what I need you, what I want you to see is when Paul brings this up, he's looking at an, is, an issue in Israel is that Israel is in what? Darkness. But it isn't just nighttime. It's a spiritual darkness. It's a gross darkness. Come back to chapter 59, verse 9. Chapter 59, verse 9. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in what? Darkness. Why is that? Because they went out and they joined Baal and the vain religious system of the world. They left the pure religion given to them. They're over here doing something they're not supposed to do. They broke the first five commandments of the Ten Commandments. They're out over here whoring and doing all this spiritual wickedness. So God, if you don't do it, I say, I'm going to curse you. And guess what they're doing? They're cursed. And what are they walking in? They're walking in darkness and in gross darkness. So what does 60 verse 1 say? Arise, shine, wake up, get up, pay attention to what's going on, pay attention to where you're at, look at what's happening. And what Paul's doing is he's pulling this illustration out of, hey guys, it's time to wake up. Come out of the darkness of the world. By the way, the darkness of the world, you know what it brings about? Doom, death, destruction. You're not, you're not that. You're not of the world. The, the Lord quotes this in his earthly ministry to, to that little flock. He says, you're not of this world. You're of this over here. You're not of the night. You're of the day. You're not of darkness. You're of light. And that's what Paul's doing. It's time to wake up. So when you come back to Romans 13, you know, it's almost as if Paul is asking the question, how are you spending your time? How do you relate to the world? Well, we're to relate to the world with an understanding that I am light. My, my job as an ambassador is to rescue them from darkness and doom and despair and death and destruction. What's my job? Grace and peace. But we have to have a sense of urgency. So we need 1311, we need to wake up. Spiritually is what he's talking about. He's not talking about getting up in the morning and, you know, rolling over and, hey, hon, make me another cup of coffee. <laughs> he's not talking about that. He's talking about, hey, spiritually, wake up. Get a sense why it's 1311, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. High time. Urgency. There's an urgent issue here because the Lord can return imminently, any time. He can come back, take the church home. Well, when he does that, what resumes? Israel's program. Think about that. Here, here you got Israel's program running along for 
1,500 years, 2,000 years. All of a sudden, it's interrupted. Suddenly, bam, interrupted. The, in, the interruption happens when Stephen looks up, sees the Lord standing, ready to come back and pour out his wrath. Carry out the prophetic program. Carry out the day of the Lord. Instead, when the next guy that looks up and sees him coming, Saul of Tarsus on the road, sees grace and mercy and long-suffering, and wait a minute, something's not right here. That interruption, that pause, it's like the DVD player. They still have those, right? I do. I have VHS players, okay? I have three of them now, thanks to, thanks to my friends. Right? You know, because I have VHS tapes, I like to view every now and then, you know? But the thing is, is what do you do? You hit the pause. I have a VHS player. You hit the pause, it goes on for like another minute. Then it stops. So something's not right, but I'm scared to crack the case, you know? It still works, but eh. But no, what happens? You hit the pause button. Go away. Come back. Hit the play. And off it goes. Follow. That's what he's doing. So we're to know the time. You know, what, you, know, you know what we know about time is it keeps on ticking. You know, we, I watched that clock back there, and I don't want to watch the clock. It's, it, time keeps moving. So it's what? It's valuable, isn't it? There's value in time. There's a purpose for time. Paul in Ephesians 1 talks about the dispensation of the fullness of time. When time comes to its completion, God created time, Genesis 1. He created time to accomplish some things. Time is measured from, the dis- from, from point A to point B, how long it takes to get and to do. That's simple, okay? And for me, it's got to be simple. I read a guy one time on time. It's a book about like that. All on time. I got through that. <laughs> I read the first intro. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's, nope, ain't going to work. So you know what? Me and Google MD, we, our Google time, keep, we got together and we figured out a, a simpler definition of time. Why? Because it gets, it's, it, it's, it's valuable. It's, it's short, isn't it? You think about our age, you know, a time when you think about age, it's like, ah, oh, I got plenty of time. No, you don't, because it's here quickly. And there's some things that we need to be aware of about time. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Just notice Paul, and again, the language here about time and about what's happening and how we are to pay attention to it why we're to have an urgency about it with our neighbors, with society about us. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29. Paul talking to the Corinthians. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though that they had none. Notice, time is what? It's short. We usually say we don't have enough time. A couple weeks ago, the college football coach said if we just had enough time, we'd have won the game. Well, no kidding. But you, you ran out of time, so what? You lost the game. 
You know, by the way, he's a great thinker, okay? That's real profound. If we'd had him more time, no, why? It's fleeting. It's short. Paul's view of time is that short. We don't have enough of it. Come over to 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1. 2 Corinthians 6, 1. We then as workers together with him. Uh, by the way, don't forget that. We work together with who? With him, with Christ. Beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee, succored, helped. That's Isaiah 49, verse 8 where Paul quotes from, and he goes back over there, and he gets into the issue in Isaiah 49, where the Father comes and helps the Son out. But what I want you to notice in verse 2 is after Sukardi is a colon. That's where that verse ends in Isaiah 49. Now Paul is going to add his commentary to it. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And Paul adds in that issue of behold. He says it two times. And he does that so that the Corinthians would understand that they are wasting time. That's what they're doing. And the Corinthians were a wealthy group of people. The port at Corinth was a was, was one of the greatest prizes in the Roman Empire as far as the sea worthiness and Greece and all of that. They were wealthy. So you know what they did? They got up easy in the morning and had their coffee out on the deck and watched the birds, and they did. And Paul's like, no, guys, it's, it's urgent here. Let's go. Let's get, you know. I, it's sometimes it's kind of like us here, uh, not so much lately, but in the past, we have a lot of things in this state that can distract us from study. In a month or two, it'll start being in the 80s. Beautiful weather. So what are we doing? Now we're out at the crack of dawn hiking or boating or we're, you know, are we, why? You, or in, in a couple months, there'll be snow on the hills. So what are we, we're up skiing. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. The Lord gave us all things to, rich, to enjoy, all things. But what happens to it is it begins to do what? It catches you and it distracts you away from what you ought to be doing. That's why Paul does this. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day. Yes, but behold. Now, he, Paul is emphasizing this issue of you need to pay attention here. Don't waste your time. And that's exactly what Paul's getting at in Romans 13. What are you doing with your time? How do you, and he's not talking about managing your time with the day planner and all that. He's talking about what, whatever you thinking about, whatever you're concerned with is what's dominating you and controlling you. And in our, urgent, in our relationship with society, we ought to be, that ought to be a little bit more urgent than some of the other stuff that we do, okay? Come over to Ephesians 5. Again, just thinking about time. Ephesians 5, where we were a minute ago. Raising kids, 
You're always worried about getting them raised. The time. You know, they, you, got, you have them for 18 years, they say, no, you have them for 20-something years because they move back home. <laughs> okay. You know, they're, they're, actually, you never lose them. And, you know, you really don't as parents. But you release them to adulthood. And, but you're always talking about time, 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 time. When the kids were in high school in marching band, it was like up at the ungodly hour of 5 a.m. You know, got to do this. And it's like, oh. As soon as they could learn to drive, go. Have fun. Here, let me buy you a clunker. Just go. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know? But, but what time? What are you doing with it? Ephesians 5, 16, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Think about that. We know that the world is evil. But notice the redeeming the time. To redeem something is to go buy something back from someone else who owns it. You see, somebody owns time right now, the adversary. And our job is to go and take it back from him. Think about a pawn shop. You go in and you pawn an item and you get the loan and, and then you come back and what do you do? Well, who owns that item? The pawn shop does. You come back in and pay the loan back and what do you do? You redeem the pawn. Now, if you don't, they call it a dead pawn and he can then sell it to me over here free and clear because you did not you know, meet your obligations. But what if I'm the one doing the pawning, what am I? I'm, out, I'm in there trying to hustle to get it back. So when he talks here about redeeming the time, we as children of light, we get to rescue time from the hands of the adversary. He's the one that owns it right now. He's the prince, the power of the air. He's in charge. And we get to come along and we get to redeem it. And how we do that is by walking as the children of light, as living as who we are in Christ, understanding what God has made us and who God has made us in Christ, and then come out over here in the details of life and live it out. So what are we doing? We are to redeem the time. We're to use the time to manifest the light. And when, that does, when we do that, we're reversing the satanic policy of evil concerning time. You think about the adversary. Come over to Revelation 12. Revelation 12. Obviously, we're not going to get very far. I'm just going to get one verse this morning. But, but you just think about the issue of time. It's more than the timeline. Time passed, but now ages to come. But it's understanding what are you doing with it. Look at Revelation 12. In Revelation 12, you start there in verse 7, we've got the war in heaven, Michael and his angels, and the dragon and the old serpent, they're all cast to the earth, verse 9. Look at verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a what? Sure, even the adversary is aware of the time and timing. He knows he only has three and a half years at this point. 
through the end of the 70th week of Daniel. He knows. So what's he going to do? He's going to go out there and wreak havoc on the inhabitants of the earth. He goes after them. He's, he himself understands there's time, and it's short. So we've got to get a, a lot done in that short amount of time. Come back to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. So when, we, when Paul says, and this, and that knowing the time, uh, Paul says a lot about time and time schedule from Adam to Moses and Moses to, to Christ and all that. And he's t much more than that. Hey, that clock ticks. You know, I've noticed as I've gotten older, time flies by a little quicker. But the clock didn't tick faster. It's what? Perception. How you look at it. Right now, I've been working on a pile of gravel, moving it, for like, it seems like, a year and a half, two years. Linda's like, no, it's only been a couple months, Rick. I'm like, are you sure? It feels like a long time. And what, it's, what happened was, we, it was my gravel dump place in the yard. and We just dump stuff in there, just dump it over there. So it's got a lot of dirt in it. So I've been shifting, sifting the dirt out of it. I've been gold panning, but with rock and dirt, you know. Not finding much gold in them hills, you know, but so, but it's, and it's a pain. It's a lot of work, you know, you're stooped over, blah, 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 you know, it's, okay, it is what it is. I was working on it yesterday. I got started about 8.39 in the morning, it's cool out, and I'm like, man, I've been going at this forever, hour and a half. I'm like, golly, it's only, it's only 10.30? like, all right, I got to make it noon at least, so I keep going, right? I'm like, man, 11 and 30. I'm like, geez, I'm done. That's it. I was frustrated because I didn't make new. What? It's all perception, isn't it? Urgency. Time. So Colossians 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Now, notice that. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Society. You can walk in wisdom this way toward all men. That's what, how he says in Ephesians. How am I walking in wisdom towards society? Well, first I'm going to walk with them in love. Love them like God loves them. Value and esteem them the way God does. And then I'm going to come over here and I'm going to do it with a sense of urgency. Because what, there's an urgent issue here that needs to be settled. Their eternal destiny. There's an urgent issue here that needs to be settled, coming to the knowledge of some truth. There's an urgent here. Why? Because in any minute now, he can call us home. Come back to Romans 13. So we're learning some things here from Paul about time. But in light of the present evil world and in how we are to relate to society. There's a time. Now, he's not saying we were coming to church this morning and we stopped at the corner. We, we always do a McDonald's coffee run on Sunday morning. I don't, they, the, anyway, it's a kid thing and a wife thing. So we go in and there's a guy on the, on the corner preaching on the street. He's got a megaphone in his Bible and he's reading 
Now is the day of salvation. Now is a, and and we, you can't hear him unless you roll your windows down because of all the street noise. There's nobody listening to him. Everybody's looked the other way. You know how you do it when the guy walks up looking for money. You know, he looks the other way. <laughs> That's what they're doing, the poor guy. But he's, now is it, now, not my words, the Lord's word. Right, right. And I'm sitting there thinking about that. He's got some urgency. He had the wrong gospel, but he had an urgency about it. Why? Because there's an urgent issue here. And sometimes what do we get to? We get that, eh, somebody else will talk to him. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's not really in my ease of comfort. It isn't about that. It's about you. I told you last time, you can, you can impact more people by just living as who you are in Christ than you ever do by opening your mouth and talking to them about something. If you live your life as who you are in Christ, that impacts your neighbors because then you have a different attitude toward your neighbor toward society doesn't mean you're out there on the street preaching away now nothing wrong with it but there's he's not that's not the point because by the way if you say you've got to be doing this what did you just do thou shalt do it this way you just put a law of performance on that now i didn't you didn't match the performance no what's compelling me what's motivating me to talk what's motivating me to say hey would you come it's a love of christ that constraineth us it's coming from an internal compulsion and that's what he's at so 1311 and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed now the end of that verse by the way where did <laughs> We're to take advantage of time. We're to wake up. We're to have an urgency about it. Because now what Paul's going to do, and we'll introduce this for next time, verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. So now Paul is going to talk about time in relationship to the night is far spent, and yet the day is at hand. So if you think about time past, and night and then you think about today that's the interruption and then you think that's the day is at hand and then you think about to come night in scripture nighttime is you is, is never a good thing it's usually tribulation that's what he's talking about but what i want you to see is the end of that verse 11 now is our salvation nearer than we believed why because the day is at hand verse 12 there's a connection there. Now, usually what happens is, is people say, well, when he says that it's nearer than when we believed, he's talking about the rapture. Well, the rapture can come at any moment. The rapture, the gathering together of the body, the catching away, the, the, the day of redemption is probably a better term, the, of the redemption of the body, okay? Paul in, in 2 Thessalonians calls it our gathering together. That's a great term. And they say, see, it's near, you know, well, and Paul, Paul anticipated being called home in his lifetime. Don't you? <laughs> I do. Now, the Lord tarried, and we thank him for tarrying for over 2,000 years. But we can, we, we, we can live that way. My dad always told us, he said, listen, you live, you plan like the Lord isn't coming back for 10 years. You live like he's coming back in any minute. 
So you're paying attention. By the way, Paul did that. Paul had, he had long-range planning. In Romans 15, when we get over there, he had planned to go all the way to Spain. But first he had to get here, and then here, and then, but he had to Spain. He not, from Scripture, we don't know if he ever made it to Spain. Some say he did, some say he didn't. doesn't matter. What he, he had that plan. Nero got him probably before he got there, more than likely. But what I want you to see is this issue about our salvation is nearer than we believed. Then when we believed, why? The day is at hand. Come over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. The salvation that he's talking about has to do with, has, to, has something to do with the day at hand. So it's more than the rapture. That's my point, okay? The rapture, Paul, he, again, he lived life like it was going to happen right in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, <laughs> okay? But then as life progressed and he saw that it wasn't, he, st- he changed his tune. Uh, you got 2 Timothy 2? Hold there, flip back to 1 Timothy 3. And he started talking like this. 1 Timothy 3. Verse 14, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself. You see how he says, if I tarry long? Now, he's not talking about the rapture, but he's talking about being delayed. But see, now he starts talking like, you know what? If I don't get there, you still need to know how to behave. So he writes it. If I don't make it, you need. If the Lord does, and I go die, that's why in Second Tim, in First uh, Second Timothy four, it's time for me to die. You know, and we got to finish this up because I'm going to go. And if the Lord carries tarries on, which obviously He is, because I'm about to die, then you know what? Second Timothy four, there, you need to be ready. You need to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. You need to do the work of an evangelist. You, you need to make foolproof the ministry. You need to carry on, Timothy. And that's the exhortation. So Paul, he, he carries a conversation all through his epistles of the, the day of redemption being an imminent thing, can happen at any moment. But then as he gets older and as he sees it might not happen in his lifetime, he shifts to, hey, you've got to carry on here, guys. You've got to pay attention the reason no man stands with him at the end of 2 Timothy 4 is if you go back and look at it, he's just sent everybody out to do ministry. See? And he stands alone. Now, I told you 2 Timothy 2, right? Look, if you, look at verse number 10 and just catch this for next time and we'll see this. So in Romans 13, 11, when he says... Our salvation is nearer than when we had believed. Yes, it is, because the day of redemption is. But that salvation has to do something with that issue about the day is at hand. And we only have five minutes, so I can't get into it, so wet your whistle for next time. Verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ, notice, with eternal glory. Now you've got to think about that word salvation. Salvation has three tenses to it, past, present, and future. 
Salvation in the dictionary just seem, means to be rescued from harm or hurt or uh, travesty, and it's got a whole list of things. Salvation in your justification unto eternal life from sin, he's not talking about. You're already justified. He's not talking about that in Romans 13 either. You're already justified. Salvation in the moment, present tense, in the walk, that's why he says to the Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How? Not justified unto eternal life, but in the moment. Why? The adversaries got them terrified. They're all worked up. Their emotions are running amok. And he says, you've got to work that out. Let's get rescued from that. But then here, what's he talking about? Salvation, which is in Jesus Christ, where? With eternal glory. That's the future. There's the glorification. There's the glory. And he says, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with what? Eternal glory. There's a rescuing in the future. It starts with the rapture event, 1 Thessalonians 4. It proceeds up into the heaven, the meeting in the air, the judgment seat of Christ. It goes through the presentation to the Father. And then it goes into eternal glory. So it's a process. It isn't just one event. Our hope isn't just one event. It's the whole process. So when Paul is making the reference here in 1311 of, hey, we got a day at hand, and our, that day at hand, our salvation, is nearer than when we believed. It's here, it's here sooner. It's getting closer. <laughs> Don't we all do that? How could the Lord tarry? Look at the mess we're in. Well, it's not, go back 100 years. The, war, the earth was in a mess then too. Go back 200 years and, you know, it just, well, how can he tarry? Well, it's his grace. It's, it's his long suffering. It, it, that's why it's not yours. Because what would you do? Just blow him up and be done with it. He did, no, we've got a plan. We've got a program. So when you come back to Romans 13, 11, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. There's that slumber, that spiritual slumber. And let us put on the armor of light. Let's go over here and let's live as who we are in Christ and have his life shine out in our life. And when we do that, we'll have a sense of urgency because that's what then grips us, okay? Now, we'll pick up in verse 12, hopefully get more than one verse next time. I don't know, <laughs> okay? Because I don't want to run through this kind of unpack it with you. Just catch that issue of our salvation near. It's not just, it's more than just the going home and being with the Lord in the rapture. It's that issue of eternal glory over in the future which will go on world without end, ages to come, and off and on and on and on, okay? All right, well, I hope some of that made sense somewhere along the lines. It did in my mind when I studied it, so I hope it made sense for you. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, and Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son. We'll let that grip our hearts and resonate into our thinking, and as we consider our reasonable service, into these different areas that we would just let your life be the light that shines in our life. In your name we pray, amen.